Most studio owners decide to open their fitness and wellness businesses because they want to help people and add more meaning to their lives. Their heart is in the right place, they're great people, but scaling a profitable business that feels incredible to own and run is trickier than ever before. So where they get stuck is no one's ever shown them how to run a wildly successful business without the overwhelm and the chaos. Plus, they're doing it all alone. Until now. Welcome to the Geronimo Unfiltered Podcast for ambitious boutique studio owners who are allergic to average and know they're capable of more. They're just missing the how. I'm Dozer, your host, CEO and founder of the Geronimo Academy, and together with my crew and my community of owners and managers who are the doers and the implementers, we are on a mission to pioneer a better way to own and operate a health and fitness business while building a life you love, not hate. So if you're ready to push the boundaries, level up your money, meaning and impact, and stop doing it alone, then you're in the right place. This is going to be raw and unfiltered, zero bullshit. So take a deep breath, strap yourself in, and let's get fucking started. If you could ask a high-performing multi-studio owner what they wish they knew before opening their businesses, what might they say? Most of you know him as a fitness influencer, competition athlete, and a gym owner, but today, he will reveal a side you've never seen before as we dive into his heartbreaking yet inspiring origin story and he exposes his real views on the fitness industry and where it's headed. I'm so glad that you're with us this week. Join me and my first special guest, Peter Day, who is almost as fit as me, for a controversial and moving conversation and make sure you're ready to take notes because there is so much juice that is really actionable and really useful to help you run a better business fit it all in and get to the top. Mr. Peter Day, how are you, mate? Good, mate. I'm just going to read out a bit of a bio here just to kind of give everyone a bit of context as who the hell Peter Day is, and then we'll get into some hard-eating questions, okay? So you're an entrepreneur, multi-business owner, athlete, coach, XME professional footballer, and Australian-based fitness influencer with many accolades to your name. I thought it was my bio for a second. <laughs> so you're best known for winning the F45 playoffs, taking out the gold like a hundred times, and you're the current champion and world record holder. You've done a Bachelor of Commerce in business. You started your professional career in marketing, working at Optus for seven years. That's a telco here in Australia, doing like media, marketing, social media, all that sort of stuff, right? So marketing background. Yes. Yep. yep. So while you're at Optus and while you're working, you followed your passion and decided to open a gym. Yes. Does that sound about right? Yeah, best thing I ever did. Fast forward to now, you own and operate three gyms in Australia. You're the head coach of the largest fitness retreat company in the world, Active Escape. Shout out to Zana. And you're the head of marketing here at Geronimo. And while still training for fitness comps. Now, this is called Geronimo Unfiltered because yeah, I feel like a lot of the fitness industry is a lot of filters and it's a bit of fake and all that sort of shit. I want to just take the viewers on a bit of a journey to understand the Pete that they didn't realize and the stuff that you probably don't normally talk about. Yeah? Great. Is that cool? Yeah, I'm brilliant. Excited for it. Are there any limits? No, I- Perfect. We'll keep going (laughs) there. Okay. So if anyone follows you, they'll know you as Peter Day, world record holder of their 45 playoffs, studio owner. I want to talk to you about the fitness industry. I want to talk to you about what's made your studio so successful, what it really takes to win, but before we do that, I want to talk about the person you had to be to make all those things true. So let's go back. Who the fuck is Peter Day? Like the bio aside, who the fuck is actual Peter Day? 
Who is Peter Day? Jeez, now we're getting into it. I, I mean, to be honest, I'm a, I'm a kid that grew up in Sydney. I grew up in the Hills District of there. I'm the youngest of three. I'm the youngest and probably the most energetic of the lot. And we just had a family of just supporting each other, challenging each other. And being the youngest, I was very much the most competitive, trying to beat my older brother in particular. I grew up with him. And during that time, I've just been going from one thing to another. I've just loved sport my entire life. So my whole background has been based around sport. Right. But more importantly, just around trying to be the best I can. Mm. I think that's a big part of who I am. And it's just, again, about trying to create something which is exciting. It challenges you. Um, it's always been a goal of mine. I went to selective high school. Mm. So academically, I've always loved to be challenged. There's a lot that I, I used to do as a kid that I just love to put myself out there. Love sport my whole life. Always loved marketing. Followed after my dad's footsteps, to be honest. I didn't oh, yeah. actually go too far from where he went. He's a big marketer. I used to work for a, a major bank yeah. in Australia. And I followed in his footsteps. And from there, I've just been a big believer of following your passion. Mm. And everything else that comes from that is a plus it doesn't matter mm. the point is to follow your passion and what you love doing every single day as long as it's putting you in the right direction and then that just kind of creates who you are as a person and yeah fast forward to today and i think that's what i've done mm. and I'm, I'm i'm happy i'm challenged uh and I've, i'm still a long way to go yeah nice. you have three businesses 18 staff you look after yourself you train about 14 times a day and something that i've noticed and that fact that like we've actually all noticed is you never seem to complain <laughs> and you never seem to get overwhelmed, even with everything happening. And you get the same problems that a lot of other owners that we work with have, but you never seem to complain. So it's obviously a compliment, but it's less of a compliment. It's more about what's the secret? Why not? Like what's happening in your brain? Like what's the composition of your thinking, your perspective for that to be the case? Yeah, it's um, a lot of what I do from a business sense stems from what I did from a sporting sense. Right. And a lot of the quotes that drive me a lot come from professional athletes I really aspire towards. Your Michael Phelps, your Michael Jordans, um, not just Michael's, other other names. And a lot of it stems from that, to be honest with you. And I've got a lot of beliefs and I've got a lot of things that I, I truly stick with me as a person. So a, as an example, I'm a huge believer and what stresses me out is not working. What stresses you out is not working. If you're doing the hard work, and think about this from an athlete sense first, if you're putting in the hard work before a competition, yeah. you've been training for months leading up to an event, you've done the hard work, when the competition comes, you actually feel calm. Right. And that's because you know what you've done, you know the limits you've pushed yourself to. So I get a lot of satisfaction from knowing I've done the work in the back end versus the actual outcome. The outcome is just a stick of where you are today. So someone's listening to this and they're stressed or they're not where they want to be. It's basically just a number of where they are today. It's not indicative of where they can be. Right. And it's the process in between which they can control. So a lot of people look at where they are in terms of an athletic sense or in terms of a business sense as if like that's the goal, but they don't think about the process of getting to that next one. And for me, I feel less stressed if I know I've done the hard work leading into it. Mm. And then the goal is just where I am today. Great. I can learn from that as opposed to being final. And then move on. Mm. Another quote which I love and I really thrive off this as well is um, success isn't final and failure isn't fatal. Mm. So if you do something really successful, it's not the end. Right. If you win a gold medal, what does a true Olympian want to do? They want to win another one and another one. It's not like that's final. And if you fail, it's not fatal. Mm. It's not the end unless you call it the end. So you can continue to move on. If If you don't win gold, for example, it doesn't finish until you continue to move on. And 
I think a lot of sport and business translates totally. immensely together. Totally. So for me, it, it's more about it's more about the effort I've put in. And to mm. be honest with you, I get more satisfaction from knowing I've worked hard than achieving a goal, both in terms of sport and in terms of business. And it sets you up correctly. And if you're not where you want to be, then there's something in the process that needs to be fixed. That's and you can adjust that and then continue to move forward. So I'm stressed if I'm not in control of the actions that I've taken. So say I'm traveling. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that can stress me out because all of a sudden you're out of routine, Some you're not working on your business. Yeah. But when I'm at home and I'm working on things that I can control, that calms me because mm. I know I'm doing the actions which I believe are in the right direction for where I want to go. Are you the type that's able to take a holiday sit poolside for two weeks and and do nothing or would that drive you crazy so yes <laughs> um y- yes and no <laughs> to be honest with you i sometimes find it a little bit hard to switch off completely but i do think y- you actually need that time to re-energize so i try as much as i can now to really switch off and and it's because you're actually doing yourself a favor you're doing your staff a favor because you're not pestering them every day yeah you need it like you definitely need it yeah your body needs it your mind needs it so you know, athletes athletes lose sometimes, right? All the time. We say a lot that you don't learn from winning, you learn from losing. So I want to ask you, and I want to get really deep and unfiltered here, okay? So put your fucking scuba gear on. What's your biggest failure in either business or life? And what did you learn from that experience? A biggest failure. So I agree with the premise around you can't learn as much from winning. Mm. And I also don't think that's the goal either. I failed a lot. If I go back to my sporting career, there's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs, to be honest with you. I, as an athlete, I failed multiple times. Mm. When I was younger, I was really good at swimming. I was a national youth swimmer and I used to compete at state competitions. And when I was a kid, I saw Ian Thorpe winning gold at Sydney. So I saw him as a 17 year old winning multiple gold medals and I was 10 at the time or so. That's what I aspired to be towards. And I trained my ass off for probably the age of 12, 13. And that was what I wanted to achieve. It was when I was 15 or 16, the guy called James Magnuson was in my state competition and absolutely pumped me. And I realized in that moment, I was not going to make it. I was 15 years old. That hurt because I was really good at my school. I was really good at zone competitions, but I was so far off the state champ. How am I going to make the Olympics? Right. That crushed my dream as an Olympian. And then I moved into more football, soccer, which is called football. And I tried to make it as a pro athlete my whole life. So I was given a paid contract when I was 18. Wow. And I played in the semi-professional leagues in uh, New South Wales for five years, mm. trying to make it into the pro leagues. I was on the train-on squad for Sydney FC, and um, I got knocked back multiple times. I failed multiple times, and the low light of my career was the realization at 21, 22, 23, I thought, I was like, this is it, I won't make it as a pro athlete. Mm. That really hurt because it was who I was. It really was. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because that was my entire goal my entire life and i failed once i thought i was on the right track the second time i failed again at a 23 i was like i'm I'm not gonna make it right that was definitely a low light and me leaving that i cried Mm. multiple times Mm. i broke down i didn't know what to do Mm. uh all of a sudden i i'd been training all my life my dream was shattered i didn't have any sport to train for at that point i didn't have anything to train up with just before 45 that was without a doubt probably the lowest light of my sporting career Mm. That's the one I probably get the most emotional about and it affected me for a good probably three, four months. I got quite sad about it. Not, you know, not terribly, but it did upset me a lot. Why? Because it broke who I was. Ew, interesting. I wanted to see myself as a pro athlete. Yeah. Really simply. And 
that was the moment where I wasn't. Mm. And it, it hurt to say no, because I could have kept playing at that league for another, you know, seven or eight years. But you knew. What's the point? What's the point? <laughs> yeah. And also the dedication when you start playing that level, you're training, you know, four times a week, well away from homes. I know mm. four times a week isn't a huge amount to train, but you're playing every Saturday night, all winter. You're training all year round. It's a full-time mm. gig to do. And I really genuinely believed I wasn't going to make it in English Premier League, in even A-League at that point. Mm-hmm. And it really broke down who I was. Mm. And I, I just felt like I wasted so Not wasted, but when you've been building up for something for so long, and we're talking... 15 years. Yeah. We're not talking a year. And then you get these ups. What hurt probably more was when I got my first offer for a paid contract. It was the t- two best moments of my life sporting-wise when I got offered a paid contract to play soccer. Yeah. I was a kid. I was, I was so ecstatic. Yeah, I ran over. I was like, I've made, like, you know, yeah. even though it wasn't a big contract, but to pay to kick a soccer ball is, totally. is amazing. <laughs> From that, that gave me the belief and five years later to have it broken down was shattering. Mm. And the only other time I've had that feeling was the first time I won the playoffs. That was just a fantastic a feeling and accomplishment. But the drop-off is worse when you're on that roll mm. and you think you're there and you just... I've kept going for another year or two. I, I probably knew when I was 21, but I kept pushing. Right. And then at 23, I would just pull the pin. So, shattered. Yeah, like genuinely. I, like, I can't overemphasize. I was... I cried. I broke down multiple times. Like multiple times. It was very... I feel like I'm trying not to cry. It, it was very, very emotional for me. What did you learn from that experience? You know what? If that didn't happen, I would not have found F45. Wow. And I'll say this story as well because this is really important. Because when I was playing semi-pro soccer, I was playing every Saturday night. Mm. You're training, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever that might be. In that year and a half period between quitting and fighting F45, I had just tried to find other sports. So I started doing surf boat rowing with my friends. I started just, I actually said to myself, I'm just going to try to be as fit and strong as I can. Because when you're playing football, you need to peak every week. You, right. you can't, you can't, you can't get into this big training block. So normally, when you train for, let's say, a bodybuilding comp, you can do a heavy training phase, and then you can kind of lighten up towards competitions and drop your calories and get shredded. You can't quite do that when you're playing a sport like football, because every single week you need to be ready, and then then it takes two days to recover. Then you get two weight sessions in, and then you're back on. So I started doing that. I just started entering all these competitions and. I actually, by chance, I was walking past the playoffs in Manly the oh, first time I was on right. it. Yeah. So I wouldn't have been there right. if I was playing soccer because it was on a Saturday afternoon wow. when I passed. So I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been free to do it. And I wouldn't have been trained up for it because I, I didn't know the comp was on, but I was just doing, I was doing rowing. I was yeah. doing weights. I was doing everything or just anything really. And I stumbled into it and that was like, cool, this is, it said, come test your fitness. So I was like, bring it. Why, why not? <laughs> I'd never seen F45 before yeah. for that point. I genuinely wouldn't have found F45, sincerely. I definitely wouldn't have done the playoffs. And the playoffs led me to, when I did the competition, I did off the cuff and then um, did actually better than I thought my first time. Yeah. And that led me down the whole journey. So my first F45 workout was the playoffs on the rig at Manly in front of a few hundred people. So you did the play. So you stumbled upon the playoffs, but was it the only reason why you were able to do that was because football like, discontinued for you. That, like the yeah absolutely the only reason I found F45 was because I quit semi-pro football wow genuinely I genuinely wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that wow so what's interesting I didn't even think about that until a couple of years ago wow and I probably would, wouldn't be a gym owner because it, it led me down that path a little bit easier than a lot of other people because I started to build a brand for myself with gotcha. F45 and then I 
opened up to the idea, the timing was right. I just got a pay rise at work, so I had the funding. Yeah. That sequence of events from quitting soccer to leaving my job was just so sequential that it, it was such a fluke. It was right. it was like the stars aligned, all the events. Incredible. It took me years to think about it that way, but again, I wouldn't be here today without it. Would you consider that being a defining moment for your life or is there another one? Yeah. Like if I never walked past the playoffs that day mm. by chance and just seeing the event at that time, none of this would have happened. Mm. None of it. So yeah. And it was that particular moment was completely opportunistic. That's unreal. That's unreal. Thank you for sharing that one. That's huge. Okay. So what do people misunderstand about you the most? It's interesting because on social media, you build this persona and you, you don't, well, you can, you can create who you are and, and what people see in you. And the persona on my social media is definitely me, but it's only, I've chosen specifically to focus on the athlete and the um, personal training side of me. Yeah. So what, what a lot of people don't, I don't show as much as I probably should is that my background's in marketing. Uh, I love, I'm a bit of a geek. Yeah. I was the primary school chess champion. Were you? I was. Primary school chess champion? I was a nerd. And I'm happy to say it. Like, I went to a selective school. I went to Normanus Boys in Sydney, Australia. I love reading. I love maths. I love all that stuff. And it led me down the marketing route. So, I, I don't share a lot of that because you're trying to build a personal brand alone. Uh -huh. And if you start sharing too much in too many different areas, you don't niche who you are as a Gotcha. Person. So, a lot of people don't even know I do marketing. Right. And I've got more experience in marketing as I do as a trainer. And I'm known more as a trainer. And I've got 12 years plus study of marketing. Are you happy with that? Or is that something you want to shift towards as a persona, as a brand? I am happy with how, because it was on purpose. Yeah. It wasn't not done on purpose. And I think it serves a purpose. Yeah. But as a brand, for me personally, I am going to start shifting to more the marketing background mm. in the fitness industry. Because to be honest, that's combining the two things I love. Mm. Damn, that's amazing. I did not know you were a chess champ. Okay. It's my biggest accolade. <laughs> I was single then too somehow. Oh, ladies, line up. Okay, so what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now in business or life and how are you tackling it? Because I reckon that we've uncovered something here in terms of like, I asked you a question earlier about like, you've got, you know, 400 staff and three studios and this, that and the other. You're, you're the busiest guy I bloody know. But you never seem to complain. I reckon it, maybe it's just along the years, like the setbacks and the knockbacks and all the training has built like calluses in your mind. So things just don't rattle you as much as what it might for someone who doesn't push themselves to the level that you do. But I want to know what your biggest challenges you're facing right now in business or life and how are you tackling it? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, I guess as well, firstly, people ascribe meaning to what happens in their life as well. Right. So there are a lot of people out there that are so stressed about certain things that are happening to them. And I think perspective is really important here because yeah. if I miss a session, like I'm a little gutted inside, but I'll live. Yes, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fine. Like if your business goes down, for example, a little bit and, and you can understand what's happening, you can build it back up. It's okay. Yeah. People get very emotional to those metrics. Right. And I think they need to remove the emotion from them and also remove the fact that that's not final. It's, it's just a where you are at the moment. There are people out there that are struggling with family issues, with gotcha. health issues that are so much more important than a few thousand dollars in your business or a couple of sessions. If you've got a kid, for example, and you can't train like an athlete, You've got a family. Mm. Some people just can't get a family. Mm -hmm. So I, I think prescribing meaning to what those events are is really important, firstly. Secondly, there are tons of challenges mm. that come with it. I think one of the biggest things for me recently anyway, this is probably reflected on just the last couple of weeks, is trying to decide 
what fires to put out first. Mm. So there are so many things in a business in particular, there's so many moving parts and some of them, you can look at anything at one point, but it's like, what do you focus on? Mm. So for me, the biggest challenge I'm having right now is like, what are those key metrics and key areas to focus on today, which are actually going to drive the business forward? And what are those little fires or those little issues, which you could fix them and you do want to, because obviously you, I mean, everyone has this natural perfectionist in them, but it's not worth your time basically. And for me, it's just trying to work out how do you keep as much control over the situation while giving some leniency because you obviously want people to have this creative flair, looking after what actually is going to make a difference and trying to not get too fussed around the things that don't matter as much. And it's prioritizing everything, which is a big challenge. And that's always going to be a challenge. So Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day who runs a, an eight-figure company. And my question to him was, how do you keep it all because he's got a big life he's got a big life he drives a mclaren like just all the stuff right and whether you're into that or not but it's like how do you not get overwhelmed like how do you manage to stay even keel and move through all this and he says it's really simple you just make a decision on what you're okay to let burn you just make a decision on like what you're okay with in terms of a level of chaos you're willing to invite into your life because you've chosen these three things and you're okay if other stuff burns and I think a lot of the times when we see people who just don't seem to get past certain revenue targets or don't seem to get past certain ceilings that they've imposed on themselves unknowingly, it's because it's a control thing. They want everything under control all the time. And even tiny little fires, they want to put them out. And what that means is they're taking attention off like the big ones. Yeah. And just going back to the business sense is that it can be, it's good and bad for yeah. business owners. So it's easier, I find, in business to pick what's wrong. Yeah. But it's really hard to drive the team towards what's actually going to grow the business. So I, I see some business owners, there's something over here, a poster there, or just little things which are happening and they're doing good work. Yeah. But the problem is they're not putting blinkers towards the stuff that's actually going to drive the business forward. And and that's that's actually a lot harder to do. You need to focus on which should, you know. And that takes a bit of like courage to be able to let that happen. All right, let's change gears. We've built a bit of a base on who the hell Peter Day is. That's some stuff that people didn't even know. I didn't even know that did. So I want to get your thoughts on where the fitness industry is headed and then we'll move further down into like studio stuff. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. So given everything that's happening in the world, you know, this year it's like there's AI, there's wars, there people are changing the way we do things, we're remote working, like all that kind of stuff. Given everything that's going on in the world, where do you think the health and fitness industry is headed? Have you put thought into that? Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, so... Even though I've been in the industry for eight years, obviously I've been following the industry for 15 plus years. Yeah. So I've seen a few transitions during that time, COVID obviously being one of them, but I won't focus on that for the sake of this. There's been quite a lot that's happened during that time. I think generally speaking, the fitness industry now is in a better place than it's been previously. Mm -hmm. When social media first opened up, there's a lot of gurus or people just trying to sell you something or false information. And I really feel that in the last couple of years, the, the general knowledge of fitness from the general population has improved in terms of nutrition and training, in terms of what to look for, what not to look for. And I believe that's been mostly choreographed from the way that social media has been hitting the market. Right. Um, previously, five, six years ago, you could probably say whatever you want, whereas now people are cutting down the people that are bullshitting basically to sell something. Yeah. So I feel that generally speaking, the industry has gone in a positive direction in that sense. There's a lot of trends that are happening at the moment. So group training is still increasing. So more people are going to more gyms for community and also atmosphere and keeping them accountable. Gamification is a big topic. Right. So that's something which I think is going to grow immensely in the next 
you know, five to 10 years. Yep. So things like Whoop Bands, Apple Watches, anything that, in my opinion, anything that helps measure your metrics. Yeah. I don't want to argue about like how accurate they are, but if you're getting regular metrics measured of yourself, it's generally better for you because you can see yeah. how many steps you're doing. So gamification is going to be a big one. I think supplements are going to hang around as well. I think that's also going to be big in the industry. And nutrition, I think that's going to come a long way as well. In the next few years, more people are going to be focused on nutrition as an area within their fitness, understanding that that changes your, your body composition so much. And I think the simplification of nutrition in particular. Well, you know, ChatGPT now, what you can just ask ChatGPT to make you meal plans. Hey, ChatGPT, make me skinny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what about when we're all in lockdown, Peloton, everyone wanted one of the bikes, right? And then as soon as, you know, people started going back to gyms, the share price sort of held and like just went through the floor. Factories were, they couldn't get rid of the stock fast enough to fire the CEO. Mm. Do you think like five years from now, people will still want to go to a gym or is it going to be completely different? I have thought about this quite a bit as well. And it's Peloton, that story is incredible. So um, they basically doubled down on the equipment they yeah. wanted. Yeah. Everything reopened and they lost a lot of money. Yeah. So at the time, I think they had the highest value of any fitness brand yeah absolutely plummeted so uh, so you can see that clear shift during COVID times what we're seeing right now with the data is that gyms are increasing in memberships mm. full stop at mm. the moment mm. so that's been a trend which has been happening basically since reopening my feeling on that is that's going to continue mm. I think there will be a market for home training but everyone now knows what it's like to train at home and train at a gym mm. it doesn't matter which gym whether you're going to a big box gym or a group training gym I just feel it's much better in terms of the atmosphere, the equipment, all those kinds of things. So my, my short answer is no, I don't think home training will replace gyms. I think for those that need the convenience, it will. But if you've got a choice and you've got the disposable income, I think that people will choose to train somewhere else. Why? Results. Yeah. Atmosphere. Yeah. Also, I think it's a different place to train too. So even when I was training at home during those times, you're training next to where you're eating. Yeah. And also even just things like the fans, the the atmosphere, the temperature, the, the noise, all those aspects make a big difference. But does it speak to something deeper about us as humans? Yeah, I guess it does. Well, two things. One, people want somewhere to spend and time with people. That third place, right? We talk about third place. My wife's a psychologist. She talks about third place. Everyone has a third space. And the third space was the other one too. So we've been, actually been drilled this within my own learnings of talking to new clients that are coming in and new, new prospects. They need that third place away mm. from home and work. Mm. Home often is work now, so it's almost the second place. Mm. And some people choose the pub, you know, as a third place, not as healthy as a gym. Yeah. Gyms are fantastic places for people to get obsessed with outside of their home and work training routine, which is healthy for them. Yeah. And it's going to positively impact their life on multiple fronts. Yeah. I think it's a very positive thing. So do you think there's an opportunity for gyms to be something different? Moving forward then, if that's the case, is it literally like, is it just about the fucking workouts or is there something else? Like, should a gym owner like think about, fuck, maybe I've got the permission here to actually mean something different? Absolutely. Yeah. So the other trend, there's a few trends which is growing. And one of the other ones, which I didn't mention earlier, is your recovery and health services. Mm. So I think if you want my prediction in a couple of years time, there will be some gyms which will also have things like a smoothie bar or a juice bar or even other recovery functions backed onto the gym so that you can go there with your friends you can do your workout you can hang out there you can get like your drips for example like recovery as an industry is growing much faster than gyms at the moment and there's different elements within recovery you're seeing saunas sauna hubs those kind of things are growing ice baths, ice baths. people are really seeing the benefit of doing that so i think you're going to see a hub of hanging out with your friends but it's health hub 
It's a hell though, because I was going to say that starts to sound like one of the big box gyms that I thought we were all kind of moving. You know, back with those gyms that had like weights and also sauna and swimming pools and that sort of shit. We moved away from that. Do you think that will come back? Is that what you're saying? I think there will be some that will do really well. The area I've seen them in those gyms in particular, like Fitness First, for example, this is just my personal, I've got no data on this, but I think they could make it more socially attractable to consumers. So when you have a sauna just tucked away in the change rooms, it's not as inviting mm. as having somewhere you can actually hang out with your friends. There's something cool there. There's some music playing. Like, that's cool. Yeah. So I think that they can probably reinvent the way that looks. And I don't know the usage rates on them, but- I would guess that that would be something which would attract new people. Okay. In your opinion, what's the most important personality trait or character trait someone would need to have in order to be really successful as an either an owner or to work in this industry? That is a great question. It's interesting. So when it comes to personal trainers, I've seen some amazing coaches that don't attract the clients as much. And I've seen people that are really really good at getting along with people attract the clients they might not be as good as coaching uh, which is a shame it's just a realistic we, we saw that too like our most technical coaches were never our best ones yeah. our best ones had the relatability a lot more and the care factor a lot more shout out to Sophie etc only because she's waving at me if I look at the best traits to have as a personal trainer especially if you own your own gym or whatever that might be I'd say number one you need to be personal to everyone that comes in yeah. So I definitely believe that you don't have to be high energy. I think people misconstrue that a little bit. Yeah. I've always said this. If you're an average trainer and you're sitting back and you're leaving, you're going, see Doza, see Soph, see Anna, and you said everyone's name as they're leaving and coming in, they would keep coming back. Yeah. You probably have a quite a successful gym if you just did that alone. But I also, I look at coaching like a triangle. At the top, you need to be a coach first. So if you're actually a really bad coach and you're doing that, people will see through that. Okay. So you need to... I think the most important trait is still to be seen as a coach. So if people know Doze is a good coach, you can almost be playful and do what you want because they know you're a good coach. They know you're a good person. Mm. But if you don't have that element, they won't stick around that long. Yeah. So I would go coach first. Yeah. You have to establish yourself as a coach first. And secondary to that would be more personality. But you can't, if you have personality without the coach, it's just not going to stick long with it. What's the third part of the triangle? Community. Okay. So that'd be more like running the groups, like being the motivation in the room. I, yeah. I call it motivation in the room. It's the more like getting everyone together. Okay. Yeah. So that's as a PT. What about as an owner of a studio? What personality trait? What character trait? I've actually listened to a lot of podcasts and books and the most important trait for a successful entrepreneur, in my opinion, is grit. 100% brother. Grit. 100%. Actually They've actually done research on this. This isn't just me. Angela Duckworth, right? That's the one. So they looked at all the different traits of gold medalists yeah. and also looked at business owners. But the one which stuck out as being the most linked to long-term success is grit. Yeah. So when things aren't going right, you keep going forward. Yeah. It's not the goals. And this is really interesting, right? So everyone's got a goal to be fitter. Everyone's got a goal to make more money. Yeah. But people don't get there, but some people do. Yeah. So the goal isn't what makes it. Everyone's got the same goal. Right. Why did Why do different people get their different times? But grit for me is probably the number one. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. If you were to start a studio today from scratch and we said, all right, I'm going to start the clock. You need to get to 300 fast. How would you do it? Yeah, I wish I could do this. <laughs> What's interesting, I was 24 when I started. What do you mean like started on the studio like right now? I wish I started when, when I did. Oh, I mean, I've still got my studios now, so I've learned a lot. But there were so many things I just didn't do. I could have optimized it way more. And now that I've learned how to do so many things, I could have definitely streamlined so much more and just hit it so much harder when I started. But what would you focus on? 
if I was starting a gym today, I would completely over-index on marketing spending. Yeah. Like more than you're comfortable with. Yeah. You'd have a massive launch. Yeah. You would approach the entire area before you opened up. Yeah. And you'd invite them to do the launch to try to get that community vibe going earlier before you've even opened up. And I would probably triple or quadruple my marketing, my Facebook spend in particular, but also even local media outlets or whatever that might be in the area, like schools and things like that. So I think we did a good launch. We didn't go anywhere near as hard as what I should have gone on marketing, getting the community together and just getting that atmosphere up because everyone wants to be a part of something. And when the hype's there, mm. you, you were there at the start of F45, like the hype was huge and people mm. want to be a part of it. And there's a tipping point in every gym. And the other thing I'd probably do really well, we didn't have any sales scripts. We didn't have a process for sales when we first opened up. It was just me calling and I had a spreadsheet. Yeah, right. <laughs> and again, I was 24. Yeah. I never run a business before. Yeah. There's just so many things that I, I could have done better and I, I missed out on certain things. We did group on when we first opened up because I thought that was a good idea, but it ends up bringing in people you don't want, not your avatar. And we, again, I, I wish I spent so much more on marketing. Just knowing that it works, that alone would have been immense for the speed of the business mm. to grow and just having a really tight sales funnel and someone looking after sales in particular would right. be. I don't think we had the proper team alignment around that point because when I first happened, the gym it was all about the coaching. I didn't right. spend as much effort on sales. Not that I was, wasn't trying to do sales, but my belief was that, you know, you run good sessions, people will come. So, and we will break even by month two when we opened our first gym. Mm. So we did it well, but we could have hit it much faster. Okay. We've done some Peter Day stuff. We've done some industry stuff. We've done some studio stuff. I want to kind of like lean into a bit more of the sort of high performance habits, right? Because you're a high right. performer. You've got the athletic background, et cetera, et cetera. What does your morning routine look like? And fucking everyone asks this dumb bloody question, but sometimes there's some nuggets in this. What does your morning routine look like? It is such a high performance question, isn't it? So it depends on my day, to be honest with you. I'm more productive in the morning. So the faster I get up and start working and start doing things that are productive, for me, I'm in a better mindset. Bro, I fucking agree with you, man. I don't have a big morning routine around, you know, getting up, having a kombucha, going for a nice bath. <laughs> journal. Heading down journaling. And like, it's, well done for those that do it. But yeah, I, I just think that it, it takes away from what you're actually trying to do. And I do believe that when you start to do tasks which are on your list and you're ticking them off, it does build momentum. Correct. But not momentum of making your bed. I mean, well, I make my bed, but... I don't think that's the one that really starts the dominoes. Mm. It's more around actually starting things that matter. Mm. So for me, I need to be doing something. Either I'm training, I'm working, or I might be at the gym coaching, for example. Yeah. I'll do one of those three things. Yeah, yeah. That'd be the first thing I do. Okay. Yeah. Totally agree. You hear about people that need like a, a full 90-minute startup routine every morning, get dependent on that, and it can actually have the opposite effect. It's really funny because I've read books on this as well. The thought of doing a 90-minute routine stresses me out. Because I'm trying to find minutes in my day to try to optimize it, yeah. to be honest. So I'm trying to find these little nuggets and how do I make use of these gaps between meetings. The thought of trying to do 90 minutes, for me anyway, freaks me out. out a little bit. But my partner, she loves to do a morning routine. She goes for a walk, takes the dog for a walk. It works great for her. She's very productive. Good. How do you know if you're on the right track? Do you set some goals or is it a habit system? And what do you do if you feel like you veered off track? So this is probably where I'd lean into reversing what a lot of other people do. So I know I'm on track if I've ticked off everything I've been meaning to do yeah. on my processes. So if I've done everything I've been saying I want to do for my business and I've actually done them, if I've trained the way I wanted to train, that's when I know I'm on track because my goal is the process. I want to make a point of this because if you can shift your beliefs away from the goal being the number 
to the goal being the process, you will absolutely immensely change the outcome. Is that the biggest mistake you see with other gym owners? Hugely. And also people going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. Definitely with gym owners too, because they get quite, and and this is a tough topic because I'm friends with a lot of gym owners and I'm sure there'll be quite a few listening. People get quite emotional when the business goes down, right? And it it happens. And I totally understand it. But if they can take the emotion away from that and put the intention and the focus on the what, Mm. like doing the things that actually lead you to a better result. And just trusting it. And just trusting the process. Because if you make the goal, I want to post on Instagram five times a week for my business, that's the goal. If you don't hit that, then you're not- Right. So it's it's the process goal rather than the outcome goal. Yeah. It's such a subtle shift, but it makes a huge shift to the outcome. So that would I'd be focused on a lot for gym owners. Mm. And same with people losing weight. I can tell you now, people don't just get happy when you hit sub 10% mm. body fat. Yeah. I, I remember. <laughs> um, Why are you laughing though? And the problem is that when people have such a big goal as well, they get close to it and the goal all of a sudden they want to move it up. So it just becomes this- revolving door yes becomes quite tricky so changing the goals to the process these the goal and the scores are what the numbers i'm trying to hit obviously i've got goals with my businesses and myself and all those types of things if i'm off my goal i know the process is off not the goal yeah okay two more shoot so what is one question you wish i'd asked you and how would you have answered that's juicy right fucking got him i knew you were going to ask some deep questions on this which i love like to be honest with you these types of content for me, is so much deeper than an Instagram post. And that's why I love it so much because I don't talk around a lot of the stuff uh, quite a lot. Probably more questions about the nuts and bolts of the business. I thought you were going to ask a bit more. Uh, and probably a bit more personal questions around the sporting side. But I mean, you've asked quite a few. So which one of those do you wish I would have asked and how would you have answered it? You get to ask yourself a question and reveal something special. Maybe something along the lines of like, why did you choose the fitness industry or why did you leave your corporate job to start a gym? Answer it. It's a good question too because um, <laughs> thank you for asking, Joseph. <laughs> uh, I think a why is almost more important than what happened there because, again, you've been in the same boat as me. You actually used to work at Telstra. Yeah. Um, so Dozer, for those that don't know, he was the head of brand at 27 at Telstra, which is a $9 billion That's where I got to go back and carry that <laughs> fucking team. Anyway, keep going. Which is really impressive what mm. you've done. So you've had actually an oddly similar career projection to what I've had. And except the athlete bit, but I guess the why, like, why would you quit a, a perfectly good job to start a gym, basically, or get in the fitness industry? People say passion quite a lot, and I, I do agree with that. But in my opinion, I don't think you should just chase passion and just completely ditch mm. business models mm. and finance because I think there's a balance there as well. So for me, it was twofold why I left the the industry, and, I, and also just so you know, when I started my first gym, I did not intend to leave my job. Okay, so I started a gym as an investment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it laughing. Shout out to the investor owners out there. <laughs> yeah, it's a mistake. Yeah. Well, not a mistake, sorry. It's right. It's, right. it's harder. It's harder. It, and at the time, we were actually doing quite well, but I, I wish I went all in. But yeah. I started it not intending to leave my job. I liked my job. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I was in a sponsorship role at the time. I just did a campaign with Usain Bolt yeah, we and Ian Thorpe. We, we were running the Australian cricket. Like we, we were doing so much at that point where I was having such a blast. Yeah. Loved it. Had a good career projection, all those types of things. And started the gyms and it got to the point where the gym was making more than my job. Right. So I was working on the gym, you know, 10 hours a week and I was working a 60 hour a week, normal full-time job. And yeah. the finances didn't add up during that time. And, and yes, the passion for me was always in the fitness industry. But when that kind of clicked for me, I'm like, wow, maybe this entrepreneur life is something which I like the goals of your own business because you're 100% commission-based to a degree. Yeah, more well, you are. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because of my passion, definitely because of that. And also I think the financials and the models have to work as well to mm. make a living out of it. Mm. Okay. Good question for yourself. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, Dozer. Thanks for asking.
So, last one. And this is this might sound like a negative question, but it's actually a positive one. Right. You know, one of the values that we talk about is fuck up, let's do it. And there's part of the reason why it's called Geronimo. You know, do you remember like when you were younger, Geronimo, like he jumped off a bridge or a cliff into some water and everyone just kind of used to yell out as we were kids like Geronimo and then used to jump. And it was like, fuck it, let's try it, right? And I think part of what we want to try and change and part of why it's unfiltered is because I think so many people just pretend business is always good, it's always perfect. And they feel like if they've fucked up, they can't share it because like there's some shame or guilt attached to that. We're going to start the flip back because we want to hero the fuck up. Yeah? Yep. We want to hero the fuck ups. So I'm going to ask every single special guest we have on this podcast this question. Okay. What has been a fuck up that you're proud of now, but was painful at the time? I'm guessing you mean in relation to business? Whatever. Sure. Let's go with business. When I started my second gym, mm-hmm. I completely underestimated the immense importance of the processes in place and the challenge it would be to grow two at the same time. So we had one going really well and I thought I could just replicate it. But then you move over to the second one, the first one starts to fall down. So like now that I've had more experience at running multiple gyms, it's more about the process and less about you being able to get in there and really grind it out. And the mistake I made was when I started the second gym, we just tried to get people in place and then almost kind of run it from the back. I tried to do it slightly differently, thinking that the model would just work for itself. Yeah. The mistake I made was I didn't have tight processes in place. Therefore, we weren't basically making as much money as quick as we could at mm-hmm. the very get-go. So that was a mistake that I made from the start. And if we had that in place, I would have gone much better earlier. That's definitely a learning that I had. Hence why, to be honest, so a bit of backstory, I came to Geronimo as a client mm. to learn a lot more about the processes, which is working to be able to implement it. And even though I had a background in marketing and I, th- I still think we did a lot of things very well, mm. but I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. And a lot of the processes and operations we learned from other people and it grows too. It's not like it's set in stone and it's like, great, we've got it all. There you go. Things develop and like becoming a student again has re-motivated me and helped the businesses. So coming back to starting the second gym, I completely underestimated how much more challenging two was than one. And I just wish I'd built the processes before starting the second gym. What do you think the network needs to do? And we'll wrap this thing up. But what do you think the network needs to do for it to thrive? F45. Yeah. Two things. Mm. One, they need to clearly define what they do differently to their competitors, more so than they have before. Mm. So previously, and I've been with them for eight years, you could just show the group training and then everyone, everyone's like, oh my God, group training. And people would flock to that as a industry or you know, as a type of training. Whereas now everyone does that. If you jump online, you get hit up with ads about group training all the time. So it's really hard for the general consumer to differentiate that to a fit stop, to a body fit, or whatever that might be. So it's really hard to differentiate that from Facebook ads. They should create a better, or like at least speak from a marketing sense, better in terms of their the unique selling point. In my strong opinion, nutrition is probably the best selling point they have over any other brand. They have the F45 nutrition app, which has 3,000 recipes on there and they're all customized meal plans. So you and I would get different meal plans based on your goals, based on who you are. And then you can actually change the meals out from there as well. So nutrition, most people know this, nutrition is like 80% of what you get results. Training is 20% because of how much calories you actually burn in that sense. And they don't talk about it. And that resource has taken eight years to build up. So it's like untamed, like they should talk about that a lot more. Oh, like they should talk about that a lot more. Mm. They should also talk about the way the program is put together because the depth of the program is is huge and they don't talk about it because i don't want people stealing the oh, the way which they do it from hq perspective so there's actually an algorithm behind the training 
It's the only brand I know today that has an algorithm behind it. So what they'll do is they'll have a workout in place and it'll be like a push exercise, a pull exercise, it'll be an isolated upper exercise. Then pod two will be blah, blah, blah. So they structure the entire workout and the entire week and then the entire four-week phase. And then the last thing they do is pick the exercises. Right. And then they'll just slot the exercises to make sure that the programming works well before they've even put it together. And in a program, you won't do the same exercise on the same day. Like there's just so so many of these rules they have in mm. place to make sure that it's different, it flows. And again, they don't talk about it. So another brand that's got a guy, one person, for example, building the programming, there's going to be errors naturally. So that's another thing. The other thing I think they should do is Previously, they hadn't partnered up with many other brands, but they could easily open up the tech with things like Apple Watches and things like Concept 2s. So it's now on the screen, so you can see it live when you're in the studio. So the tech side and opening that up with other brands and partnerships is something they can do really well. And while I'm on a tangent, events as well, they do very well. So I think more events on a regional sense would be awesome. Okay. Pete, this has been a chunky one. So we're going to put everything in the show notes. Where can people find you? You're on Instagram? Yep. So on Instagram, it's PeterDay underscore underscore, double underscore at the end, just for fun. You can also find me on YouTube, just search PeterDay, search my name there, and also on TikTok, Peter underscore Day. Great. Well, thanks for coming in, mate, as our very first guest on the John Martin podcast. And I'm pumped to have you along our journey too, brother. Mate, I'm excited. Thanks for having me and really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If something resonated with you, then do one of two things. Either leave a review or send this episode to a mate who's in the industry who might need to hear this. But if you want more right now because your head might be spinning and you're like, all right, those, that, what the hell do I do right now? Then in the show notes, you'll find a link to where you can book in for a free 15-minute checkup on your studio where we get to have a look at how you're going right now and where some of the kind of quick win opportunities are to get you moving faster. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And if you're listening to this right now, I want you to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you, and I'm in your corner. You are on the right track, and I believe in you. So keep going, and I'll see you next week.